Hey, it's Eric Hulkerin, and another episode of Behind the Headlines. Big Ten football is back, and on this episode, Matt Wenzel, who covers the Spartans, is also back. The season was always going to be a struggle for them, no matter how many games were played or when they started or any of that, you know, just based on, you know, the roster, the way that the D'Antonio era ended, the roster turnover from last year, and, you know, when you have a new staff taking over, there's just going to be some some growing pains. Along with Aaron McMahon, who covers the Wolverines. <laughs> it's weird. It's probably the weirdest thing I've ever dealt with. Um, with the guards finishing the season, I do think they'll get through it. You know, I think my confidence level is high there. Um, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we do see some games shut down at some point. And with that, let's jump into the episode. As I said in the opener, Big Ten football is back. Aaron McMahon is with us. Matt Wenzel is with us. And as always, Vice President of Content John Heiner is with us. John, how are you today? Eric, I'm doing really well. But, you know, we are coming up on the scariest weekend of the year. You know, so cold wind blows at night through the cemetery. You're, you're walking through the cemetery, slowly looking over your shoulder, and then this bony hand comes out of the ground, grabs your ankle, and shouts, there's trouble with the snap! <laughs> <laughs> That's if you're a Michigan fan, anyways. Um, I believe this is the fifth anniversary of that infamous ending uh, uh, to the Michigan-Michigan State game, uh, where Blake O'Neill, uh, wherever you are, Blake, sorry to be trashing you, but... Couldn't handle the snap. Matter of fact, he made a really nice pitch on a sweep to, uh, what, was his, what was his name? Uh, Jalen uh, Reeves. But anyways, um, we're coming up on the anniversary. And also, you know, we had Aaron McMahon and Matt Wenzel from our, our Big Ten uh, writing team with us a few weeks ago to talk about the season, if there was going to be a season, what it was going to look like. And sure enough, uh, last Saturday, we kicked off Big Ten football. And uh, we're playing and we're scheduled to play Saturday with the uh, annual Michigan-Michigan State uh, battle for uh, the Paul Bunyan Trophy. So I thought it'd be great to have him back on, break down again what the beginning of the season, the the fact that we got this far, uh, and also just talk some football uh, with the big game on on the horizon. So uh, welcome back to the show, Aaron McMahon and Matt Wenzel. Yeah, I didn't think this day would come. I was kind of surprised when the Big Ten announced that they were coming back, but at the same time, you know, and we talked, I think we talked about this last time, but you saw the other conferences begin play and, and they were largely successful doing so. So the Big Ten probably figured, you know, why not? Let's give it a shot. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I, you know, it's weird when your season opener is uh, in late October and um, there's a police car blocking uh, the road to even get to the stadium. And <laughs> yeah, all things weird about last Saturday, but uh, there is football, so take it. Well, before we get into the the games themselves, how did we get to, because the last time we talked, we were seeing some schools having problems with uh, outbreaks of coronavirus, some games have been canceled and, and so forth. Uh, just for everything from the the planning to the precautions have been taken. And now you guys have been in the press boxes. You've been in this the, around the teams in the stadium. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of your confidence now uh, that we're going to be able to pull this season off? And And, you know, just how weird is it? Uh, compared to things uh, that you've covered in the past? It's weird. It's probably the weirdest thing I've ever dealt with. Um, with the guards finishing the season, I do think they'll get through it. You know, I, I think my confidence level is high there. Um, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if you do see some games shut down at some point. I, I think it's you know unrealistic to think that the Big Ten gets through this whole season without a team you know experiencing an outbreak and having to postpone or, can- or cancel a game in this case because – 
you know, the big to keep in mind, the big 10 is set to play nine games in nine weeks. There's no buffer here for, for made up games. Uh, so it's do or die. Um, but you know, it was weird. Um, you know, we're seeing some, I think some teams handle it better than others. Like for instance, Michigan hasn't really had much of an outbreak. We've had a couple of players, I think test here and there, but Michigan hasn't really confirmed anything, um, but they've certainly looked better than, and some other schools, you know, Rutgers an outbreak a few um, a month or two ago. Uh, Michigan State surely had had its share, um, but it, it's going to be a weird next you know sprint here, next eight weeks to see, uh, you know, who who can manage their team the best and, and stay the healthiest, because I, I think that's going to give certainly give teams an, an up you know a team like Michigan for instance an advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with what Aaron said. I'll be surprised if there aren't mul- you know multiple games that are that are. Uh, canceled just because that's just the way you know there's there's no flexibility in the schedule uh the big 10 is was pretty transparent in some of the in the protocols that were going on you're not getting transparency as far as announcing what you know any of these test rates are within programs you know i asked mel about that last week um if they if he knew there were any guys that were out for the weekend based on positive test results and he referenced the numbers the university releases and you know, to, to Michigan State's credit, um, since June, the athletics department has released uh, COVID-19 testing numbers. However, those are those are PCR numbers. Um, those do not involve the daily antigen tests that um, teams have been taking since September the 30th, and they're not sports specific. So Michigan State can say there were 45 guys, uh, 45 athletes, which was their high in positive tests uh, in September, I think, or there's one guy, one athlete like last week, but you don't know <laughs> what sport that athlete plays. So, I mean, it leaves a lot of uh, uncertainty. Um, but yeah, uh, Saturday was weird. I always complain about press boxes where you've got about eight inches of space to yourself and you get two mm-hmm. other writers on top of you. That was obviously not the case on Saturday. I had about 10 feet on either side at least. Um, but there's like, I mean, there's no, you can't even like, there's no drinking fountain. There's no water uh, station. So John, you're going to, you're going to get a, a bill for $8 for the two waters <laughs> I had to purchase in the uh, press box. So Sorry about that. I'll have to remember to bring my own water next time and save. Take a cooler this weekend. Take your own Powerade. Nah, you're good. You're good. You know, it does make reading injury reports a little more uh, interesting and inscrutable. You know, Um, PJ Fleck after Minnesota got beat by Michigan, uh, I wouldn't say he was grousing, but he he was making some comments. He was being asked about, you know, why don't you have your punter and and some of the special teams guys. Aaron, you wrote about this, and he seemed a little crusty about it. He's like, "I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to say, but you probably know, sort of thing." So, you, you know, he's intimating that it was COVID. Um, that was seemed early in the season. There was a lot more transparency about players being out with this. Is this a HIPAA thing, or or why are they being uh, um, a little more cagey about about COVID? Yeah, I mean that's the reason they give, uh, and it, they use that for a lot of reasons. You know, even before COVID, I mean, they would use that for, for different for medical reasons. I know Jim Harbaugh is very reluctant to give out injury information, especially if, if a guy is only going to be out for a couple of weeks and he thinks he can get them get them back for the end of the season. Um, but yeah, you, you, I think once you start to see some school, as a I think at the end of the day, it's a competitive thing. Once you see one school kind of you know act reluctant to give out that information, then you're not going to do that as well. Uh, so I think that the standards kind of been set at that at this point until I think a player comes out and, and says says it himself that he he you know he experienced COVID and that was the reason he was out. You're not going to see these schools uh, divulge that information. Well, Minnesota, uh, excuse me, Wisconsin, their quarterback goes out and has this you know amazing first game as a freshman, and then he's done for 21 days. So I, I'm guessing it's not a sports hernia. Uh, I I actually think they did say that he had tested positive. So. 
it doesn't seem uniform, Aaron, that they're doing this the same way at every school. Last I knew, they they hadn't confirmed it. I, I know that I, I, it was a report. It was a, a sourced report from the Wisconsin State Journal, or maybe it was a Milwaukee Journal. Sorry, okay. Um, that that he had he had um, failed a, a anti daily antigen test, and they were waiting on the PCR test. Um, I, I don't. I haven't heard confirmation on that at this point, but I don't think that. In fact, I think Paul Chris, the head coach, was asked about it on Monday. Uh, and he said he would he he wasn't give any information on that regard. Um, so it's it's a dicey situation. It's one that I think the coaches kind of have to like, you know, think about how they're going to handle it. And I think they've obviously been uh, trained to handle you know handle it a certain way or advised to handle it a certain way. Um, but yeah, you're gonna I don't think you're gonna see a, a ton of a ton of schools acknowledge acknowledge that. In some respects, though, doesn't this also just throw a giant level of uncertainty, like who gets to the finish line? Because now Wisconsin went from the end of that game looking like they were going to be unbeatable in the big 10 West to who knows now. Um, Cause this guy's gone for three games. And I think one of them is a Michigan game, pretty critical game. So between now and the end of December, I guess it's comes down in some ways to who, who can keep their roster intact. Exactly. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the, I think the, the 21, the big 10's policy of having guys out for at least 21 days is more aggressive than, than any other conference I've seen. And obviously that, you know, when you've got a nine week season and nine week, nine game season in nine weeks, and you're all of a sudden going to miss at least three of them. That's obviously, obviously a big deal. So, um, I mean, you can, I mean, you can afford to, you know, have a few guys out here and there in depth, but you know, well, like with Wisconsin situation you're talking about, and then there was a report last night that their, their third string quarterback tested positive. So, I mean, to go to go from a starter to heading into the season to potentially your fourth string quarterback in week two, I, I mean that's just the nature of the situation, and that's I think you're going to see more of that as we go along. Aaron, you obviously were in Minnesota, and you would have a much better take on this than me. But like watching the game, I think one of the seminal moments was when PJ Fleck faked a punt like from his 35 yard line and. I was like, why on earth would you do that? It, it just got stuffed and it was sort of a momentum turner too. But then you find out that he's got some guy punting uh, like me, punt at 14 yards. <laughs> the, he was just strategically stuck. I mean, he didn't have the personnel. And so how, you know, on the special teams, they had, a, they, they had a squib kick that went back almost for a touchdown by Michigan. I think it would have been a different game if he had had his first string. I'm not saying Minnesota would have won, but it really, I realized after the game, it's going to be really hard to judge the competitiveness of these teams if they don't have full rosters. Yeah. And, and that's an, you know, an issue that Jim Harbaugh has brought up here in the last month or two that, you know, that they, as, as a coaching staff, they, they realize that they need to prepare, uh, you know, more than just the starters for games. They're looking at the backups and the third stringers and, and doing things to try and, keep them all apart. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. Michigan's offensive line coach, Ed Warner, um, you know, during the offseason and in the buildup to the, the, the first game, you know, on Saturday against Minnesota, he had, when he held his position meetings, he put, he had two different rooms full of offensive linemen. He kind of broke them up and he, mm-hmm. and he didn't put all the starters in one room. He kind of separated them just in case there was an outbreak in their position group. Um, that way he, he felt like he had enough personnel to, to be able to play in case, you know, an outbreak should hit the offensive line. But Jim Harbaugh, like I said, has, has mentioned that they're preparing um, players for beyond that. They're carrying more guys than, than necessary. You know, Saturday in Minnesota, Michigan had two kickers, two punters, two long snappers on mm-hmm. the trip, I think specifically for that reason. Wow. 
feared that you know if something were to happen, if a player would have tested positive Saturday morning, uh, they would have had a backup and, and, and you know a, a practical one. Well, Michigan, Michigan State, had, you know, similar talked about similar things where where Mel and some of the staff members were talking about playing guys at multiple positions. So you know, if you're you know the ability to play safety and corner, you know, or the offensive line and being able, you know, play guard, you play center, you play tackle, or whatever, being able to to line up at multiple spots in case of things, and even guys playing both sides of the ball if need be. Um, so, yeah, as what Aaron said, you know, you, there are certain things in place uh, this season that I think measures you have to take um, with your roster and having guys ready that you wouldn't in a normal year. Man, Aaron, what you were describing, just the things now that coaches have to think about uh, that go to another dimension, <laughs> you know, and, and not just in the, the training facility and meeting rooms, but also I'm sure they're imploring these kids to – you know, in their personal lives, you know, for the good of the team um, to keep it locked down uh, for this year. Um, but, okay, you guys, like, with all that taken into mind and how they had to – their practice, uh, you know, once the Big Ten announced they're going to come back, the restrictions they have, and all this stuff, what you saw on the field, uh, given everything that's happened, what did you think of what you saw on the field and the quality of the football – given everything that we've been through. Well, I, I thought Michigan was well prepared uh, and it was kind of a su- surprise to me because if you go back and look at, you know, the season opener and Jim Harbaugh's first five seasons at Michigan, they, they've been all over the place. In some cases they were pretty, pretty ugly. Uh, a, pen- a lot of penalties and just a lot of turnovers. That just wasn't the case on Saturday. I thought they came out of the gate and they, they struggled early on. Obviously you saw that, that botched that botched punt and mm-hmm. they saw a couple of penalties, but beyond that, I thought they um, responded pretty well. Uh, they didn't have a turnover, uh, no fumbles. Uh, it was, it was a pretty clean game from a Michigan team that we didn't know necessarily what we were going to get. Uh, there were a lot of question marks now offensive of the ball. And I thought generally speaking, they did a pretty good job of answering them, which I think goes, goes back to a couple of things. One Michigan didn't stop practicing when, when the COVID outbreak hit, uh, when they were allowed to come back in mid June, they, they got going right away. Even when the big 10, you know, quote unquote, postpone the fall season uh, to the spring. Harbaugh, you know, he kept all his players in Ann Arbor. They continue to practice and go through walkthroughs and, and take part in meetings. And I think between that and for the first time in a couple of years now, Jim Harbaugh's offensive coaching staff has, has been stable. He brought back all of his coaches from last year, which is a rarity um, in, in his first five seasons in Ann Arbor. So I think between that continuity uh, and that extra diligent meeting, meeting work in, in the offseason, I think paid dividends on Saturday and, and you saw that in the result. Well, one thing that surprised me, well, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I just didn't know it was just an unknown was the offensive line. I mean, when I say unknown, it's like their names too. <laughs> but um, I was, as a Michigan fan, pleasantly surprised to see that they, they look pretty confident on the field as a group. It, yeah, it surprised me too. Uh, you, you had some, you know, Jalen Mayfield was back, but you had four new starters, um, some guys that had been around the program for a little while, but didn't just hadn't played a ton. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, between in preparation at Warner, the offensive line coach did a good job getting them ready. And I think Michigan threw some things in there to help them too. You saw fullback Ben Mason in there, uh, a, a bunch of running situations, throw blocks. The tight ends were in there a lot and blocking. I, I can remember Eric Hall in a couple of plays having, having um, you know, a key block in the play. Uh, and that, that played dividends for Michigan's running game. And for the first time, 
you know, they, they had two runs of over 65 yards. They didn't crack the 50 yard barrier last year at all the whole season. So they had two of, of 65 more or more in the Minnesota game. So I, I think there's, there's something there. I'm curious to see how they handle these next, these next couple of upcoming games against Michigan state and Indiana. Um, but Michigan's run game could be, and this was something Jim Harbaugh talked about in the off season, but he really thought the, the, the running game was going to be a strength of this Michigan offense and uh, in, in between their in between, in between the offensive lines play on Saturday and, and the ability to kind of find those holes, uh, it, it certainly came to fruition. There, I think one X factor though is how good is the Minnesota defense because eh, they, they didn't really show up. But so we'll see. You know, uh, you know, and I think one of the big headlines coming out of the Michigan State game against Rutgers, Matt, was turnovers. So I don't know how much we were talking about preparation and how this run up to the season and. Uh, the late start, everything was going to affect teams. Was that a factor in Michigan State's sloppiness, or was just that just one of those football coincidences? No, I think it was definitely a factor. I mean, obviously, you, you have a coaching change in February that's far from ideal. You have a new staff that has zero spring practices. That's obviously not a good thing. You lose two whole weeks of summer workouts because your team has to quarantine. That's not going to move you forward. You get four practices in five days of fall camp and the Big Ten shuts it down. And when they did, you know, Mel uh, decided to send the guys into the weight room. He wanted to do a six and a half week strength and conditioning program because of everything they lost this spring. And, you know, at the time, that seemed like the right idea. You know, the Big Ten said, we're not playing. Commissioner Kevin Warren said this decision is final. So there was no indication things were going to change. And then obviously they did. So you have to get uh, back on the field. But even if even if they had kept doing what was allowed within the the Big Ten uh, within the NCAA's uh, rules for teams that weren't playing in the fall, I mean they still weren't able to have a padded practice under <laughs> new staff until September 30th. I mean that's a month before you play a game. So I think some of the sloppiness was was obviously expected, but I, seven turnovers are just ridiculous. You can't do that in Pop Warner. There's no excuse for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I expected some of these, some of the errors, not as many as we saw. They, they, they look. There were some times where they looked like they didn't. That there was some confusion. There was some miscommunication between uh, Rocky Lombardi and Jalen Naylor, and and two two plays out of like three or so or four on one drive where they clearly weren't on the same page, and one of them turned into be a turned out to be an easy interception. So, I mean, there were yeah, there were a lot of things they uh, showed that that made it look like it was. Kind of put together at the last minute um there were some positives but uh you lose at home to Rutgers, and uh that's just one big negative and yeah mel tucker air did not get off to a great start is it possible matt that Rutgers is just really good this year <laughs> no <laughs> uh no they'll be better i mean greg if anybody can win there it's greg shiano he was able to do it in the past i i mean i don't think anybody expect him walk in year one and and you know be a have a winning team. And I still don't expect that. Um, if every team they play turns the ball over seven times, then, then maybe that'll be the case. But um, no, I, I just think they, they, in credit to them because they had almost the exact same situation as Michigan state. Granted, Shiano was hired in December and so it wasn't the February change, but they didn't get any spring practices either. They had a whole team quarantine at some point this summer as well. Um, but they they were they just took advantage of the mistakes on Saturday. They played better, and and Shiano had some roster upgrades with some transfers from Big Ten, four guys that were starters, and they were just the better team on Saturday, even though they got outgained by about a hundred yards. Um, so yeah, they took advantage of the mistakes and 
one and no records, just like you'd expect. Mm-hmm. So how much of what we saw guys this past weekend from Michigan, Michigan state really has a bearing on this Saturday. I mean, was, was it, there enough data points there to form a conclusion about how this game might go? Uh, just tell me what you guys expect. I, this could be a preview too, of, you know, your big 10 predictions. Uh, you, you don't have to spill the beans if you don't want to, but just tell us what, what you expect to see on the field. I, I do think it'll, it's a precursor to kind of what we could see on Saturday. I, I thought Michigan is well-prepared. Um, you know, they, they, they probably outperformed expectations. Um, their offense looks, um, I, I think, in, in a way upgraded. Uh, they performed, I thought, flawlessly. Joe Milton looked pretty good in the pocket, which surprised me a little bit. They're, like we talked about, the offense line held up. They didn't turn the football over. And, and if Michigan kind of can kind of duplicate that against Michigan State on Saturday, and again, that's a big if. You know, we've seen this game go different ways in the past, obviously. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, tempers will be high. Emotions run high in, the, in this game. So it may be closer than some folks think it'll be. Um, but I, I, I have a hard time um, thinking that Michigan doesn't win this game on Saturday. It's just, it just got, you know, they, they've been too, they're too well-oiled. Um, the staff is back in place, like I said. The talent, I think, is obviously better than what, what Michigan State has at this point. Um, it, it, Michigan, there's no reason I, I don't think that, that you know, Michigan loses this game at all. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, think if Michigan State had even had looked better and won against Rutgers, I still and I still wouldn't have imagined them getting a win out of Ann Ar- in Ann Arbor at this point in time. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll turn the ball over seven times. But still, you, with and there were some positives. I, I thought Rocky Lombardi looked good at times. Uh, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor, some guys that are you know um, explosive receivers, capable of, of of putting points on the board quickly, but. The offensive line struggled again. The run game was almost non-existent. Uh, and you, you put those two things together, that's that's going to make it really tough. Um, so, no, I, I don't think they – I think it, will, it won't be a close game in the fourth quarter. I don't know what the final score prediction would be yet, but, uh, no, I, I would fully expect Michigan to be able to win at home um, and, and Michigan State not to really threaten them just based on what we saw last week. So based on what we did see and what you're talking about, in a crazy Big Ten season and crazy NCAA season, what do we expect? And you also saw what happened around the Big Ten in this uh, Indiana's victory, which was just crazy town uh, over Penn State. Now Penn State has Ohio State coming in. Um, but what does this do for the, the, the outlook for the, the balance of the season, the competitiveness of these teams and their their chances? So I picked, I think, preseason predictions like Michigan that to finish this eight-game schedule five and three. Now, obviously, they're going to play ninth game. We don't know what the opponent's going to be at this point. Um, but you know, I I thought they'd lose this Minnesota game. I thought going on the road um, against a Fleck offense that that is explosive and talented. I thought I thought Michigan would, would do well. Um, but you know, after after the, re- the result on Saturday, I, I I do think Michigan's got a shot to maybe finish a little bit better. You mentioned the, the COVID outbreaks. You know, Penn State is off without their starting running back, Journey Brown. You saw that result Saturday against Indiana, Wisconsin. We don't know about the quarterback situation. Michigan's due to play them in a couple of weeks, so those potential losses against you know a Penn State or Wisconsin could certainly be wins. So I think the path is clear in some respects, as long as they can stay healthy and, and the injury bug and the COVID outbreak. Um, I, I think they've got a shot to compete for a division title. But again, it's going to come down to that, again, as it usually does, that game against Ohio State at the end of the season. They're going to have to come out and play well and beat them to get over the hump. 
at this point, I'm not going to pick them to do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, that you know, I think at this point, it's hard pressed for anyone to do that. Um, but I, I do think Michigan stands a better shot uh, this year than maybe some of us thought here here last, you know, even last week. Mm-hmm. And for the Spartans, uh, Matt, is this really going to be a rebuilding year as a part of several rebuilding years from the D'Antonio era? Yeah, I mean, this season was always going to be a struggle for them, no matter how many games were played or when they started or any of that. You know, just based on you know the roster, the way that the D'Antonio era ended the roster turnover from last year. And, you know, would, when you have a new staff taking over, there's just going to be some, some growing pains, but no, I mean, Rutgers was uh, at least on paper, the ideal opponent for Michigan state to start with, and that didn't work out. And now it gets, uh, it gets tougher. You know, you got to play at Michigan, you got to play at Iowa after that. And then you come home to host an Indiana team that I thought was, was underrated going into the season. I think they showed obviously with the win against Penn State. Um, so there is there is obviously the potential for it to be an 0 and 4 Michigan State team heading into mid November when or late November when when Maryland comes to or when they play at Maryland. So I mean, really, you know, I don't see them winning at Michigan. I don't, you know, I, I will obviously. I think there's a better shot, but still not a high percentage. Um, Indiana, obviously, that'll be a challenge. So really. I mean, I had I had them going uh, three and five through the eight games, and I think now it's more two and six. Um, if they're, that's more what I would see as their as the most likely result or the best case scenario for them, really at this point in time. Mm-hmm. A uh, couple of random questions here to wrap it up, guys. Uh, number one, Aaron. I don't want to maybe make too much of this, but TV did. Jim Harbaugh was not wearing khaki pants. Also, uh, at a, over at my friend's house watching, and she made the comment, this, you know, this is just a comment somebody else made, but she's like, his behavior this year seems like really muted. You know, is he sedated? Oh, <laughs> it seems like somebody told Harbaugh, like, you know, just tone it down and, and let your coaches coach football. Is, is there something going on there? You know, that's been a topic of conversation the last, I don't know, a year or so now. Folks have wondered what, what happened with him because when you remember when he first came into Ann Arbor, you know, back in late 2014 to the 2015 season, he was he was loud, he was boisterous, he was throwing his headset off during games and right. everything else. Yeah, I, I do think something happened, whether his dad, maybe his dad got to him or someone talked to him to tell him to tone, tone it down. Um, I don't know if they thought it was just a bad look or whatever the case may be, because I, I do think there's a segment of the Michigan fan base that enjoys seeing that. They want to see that, that fire out of their head coach. And mm-hmm. I think that's how folks kind of remember Harbaugh as a player. Um, I, I, I don't have an answer for that. You know, it has certainly been a little bit muted here in the last couple of years. Perhaps that that's a, you know, a result of just them not being able to get over the hump and, and right. win that big 10 title and win those big games. Uh, but yeah, that, that's certainly been something that's been brought up. As far as the pants go, that I was wondering the same thing. I saw some chatter on social media, some folks wondering about it. I, I, I think some somebody said it was they were Lululemon pants. I don't know if that's yeah. or not. Uh, they were somebody, pretty stylish. They were tapered. They looked nice on them. Maybe just, maybe he got an endorsement deal from them. I, maybe I should look into that because I know you know point, because he he yeah. was doing those like uh, detergent commercials where the, you know he's you've got piles of khakis. That was his brand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had. I, if I recall correctly, he had a, he had an endorsement deal with Dockers uh, several yeah. years back. So I don't know if that's changed. I, I should probably look into that. But yeah, that was certainly brought up. Uh, he's starting uh, to worry me a little bit. It's like he's quiet and he's you're right doesn't throw his headset and it's like. Hmm. Maybe he thinks he just needs to change the mojo, you know, just till he gets over the hump, as you said, in beat Ohio State. 
And I think he's just, he is getting older. You know, he has, he's been, he's been coaching for a while. You start, he's, he certainly has been a different guy the last couple of years. He's, he's grown more hands off the offense. He, he finally kind of gave it up to Josh Gaddis last year, which is something I don't think you would have seen a younger Jim Harbaugh do. He was always um, wanting to call the plays or being involved with the play calling and running the offense and running it his way. Uh, and you're st- in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, you've kind of seen a, an about change with him, uh, which has certainly been, certainly been interesting. Yeah. Last question, you guys, just for the sake of our listeners, too, and just tell us how your life is different and your job is different in COVID now that you've traveled to and, and so forth, but access to the programs and just doing journalism. So how has this year been in general um, different and challenging? And I don't know, maybe even rewarding, but how, how has this year been different for you guys doing your jobs? Um, well, I mean, obviously it's, everything's pretty much virtual. You know, we, I have not had an in-person interview with a player since Michigan state basketball team won the big 10 championship, you know, and you know, the regular season finale, that was what March the 8th or something like that. And then we were going to the big 10 championships. They were actually there practicing when everything got shut down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, everything's virtual and that, and that just, you know, that makes things a little more challenging, I think, you know, because, you know, in, in previous years, obviously Michigan state and Mark would have his press conference on a Tuesday afternoon and everybody's there. And then you write off of that. And then, you know, they, they bring players out, uh, after practice at, at that evening. And so, you know, between, you know, four and 10 or however many guys they spread out, you can bounce around and you can maybe get some, some quotes that other people don't have, or, you know, get something that somebody else doesn't have. And now you've got 35 people, some of whom would never be showing up or 50 people, some of whom you never saw in person at a game or after a practice, everybody's on the same zoom call. Everybody's Hmm. hearing the same thing. So, um, and that was the case on Saturday. There were people who were nowhere near East Lansing being the first ones to ask questions and you've got two zoom calls going on at the same time after a game with players and, and Mel Tucker on there. And you're trying to figure it's just, I know it's a challenge for that, for the athletics department. And I know there's, I understand the reason we're not getting anywhere near the players and coaches. I get it. Um, it's just, it's made things well challenging. So. Yeah. I can remember my last, my last in-person interview was, uh, mid-March, Shea Patterson held his uh, pre-draft workout down in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember going to that thing and wondering if I should have even been there in the first place because the coronavirus was kind of starting to begin. Um, but yeah, since then, I haven't had an in-person interview. Everything, like Matt said, uh, has been done over, done over Zoom. Um, now, access at Michigan never has been great to begin with. They, they have a large media contingent covering mm-hmm. the program anyway, every year. Um, but yes, things certainly haven't you know, change in that regard. Everything's done over Zoom, uh, done over conference call. Um, it, it's, I'm working from home a little bit more than I used to. I mean, I, I did already, but at least we would go, you know, go to uh, go somewhere to, to conduct in-person interviews. And that just isn't the case anymore. Um, it's certainly changed things. Um, I don't think the workload has changed much. Um, and I, I can I can say with certainly the, the interest from the fan base. Right. Changed right. Well, hey guys, are you going to be in the same press box Saturday? We will be. Yes, when's we the will. last time? When's the last time you guys were in the same room together? Probably the last year's game, right? Yeah, and let, well, we probably had like a staff meeting or something oh, yeah. at some point in time. And, uh, um, those aren't quite as memorable as a football game, but uh, 
yeah, it's it's been a while. So uh, there is a very limited number of uh, tra- uh, visiting media being allowed by by Michigan, and that's I think expected, and will probably be the case just about everywhere. Reunited, and it feels so good. Apologies to Peaches and Herb there, <laughs> <laughs> but Ed, glad you guys are going to be there. Uh, glad we got this far into the season. Uh, given all the challenges you faced, you guys have been doing an amazing job. As you say, Aaron, uh, the quality of the content and the fan interest is high. Um, and uh, fingers crossed that we get through the end of the season. And, you know, here's to a great game on Saturday, uh, the annual showdown. It always seems to be interesting no matter the rosters or anything else. Uh, so throw coronavirus in the mix and make it more interesting this year. So, so. Aaron McMahon who covers uh, Michigan Wolverines for M Live, and Matt Wenzel covers Michigan State Spartans. I appreciate you joining us today, and uh, also want to give a plug. Um, and as I did last time you were on the show, for our insider um, subtext accounts, you can get free text or you can get text updates. Uh, you get a sample it for a while, and then it's uh, it's four ninety nine a month uh, for the Spartans Insider and also the Wolverines Insider, and uh, in the in the column that uh, I write that has this uh, podcast embedded, I will put links in for people so that as the season goes on and as the, you know, the drama ramps up in the big 10 race, you'll be getting insider updates from, from Matt and Aaron. So uh, make sure to check that out. Uh, Again, thank you for joining us on behind the headlines and uh, here's to a great season. Awesome. friends. Thank you guys. Uh, Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it as always. Um, Sincerely, Duke guys, that was you guys did a great job last weekend, and I, I hope we can get through the season. <laughs> I hope we can make it to December twelfth. So, same here. Yeah, hey. you guys have a good time Saturday. Thanks, you too. Yep. Thanks, John. And there they go. Huge thanks to Matt Wenzel and Aaron McMahon for stopping in and giving us kind of a look at not only the kickoff to Big Ten football, what we might expect this weekend as the Wolverines and the Spartans go head to head. As always, if you like what we're doing, make sure you uh, leave a review and even share the podcast wherever you are listening to this today. As always, I am Eric Halkren. He is John Heiner. And this is Behind the Headlines.